and I picked up the idea of coaching accountant moms. And that's where my side business started. I started the podcast, the CPA Moms Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, your host for this show and a CPA myself. Well, for this week's show, we are going to revisit a path that some accountants take, starting from a more traditional accounting role to realizing that they really enjoy the advising aspect of accounting, and then taking that even further into a full-fledged coaching role. Dawn Goldberg is joining us for today's program, and like a few of our guests, she realized along her journey that she really enjoyed helping others through their own career issues, and therefore she decided to become a certified life coach. However, she took a slightly different spin on the coaching choice and decided to focus specifically on CPA moms, mothers who are CPAs. I knew this was going to be an interesting episode when I scheduled it, but honestly, I enjoyed the discussion many more times over than I anticipated. I easily could have kept talking to Don for a couple more hours, but of course, that doesn't fit very well into the structure of our program. I do really think you're going to enjoy this episode, though. I know I did. And by the way, you may notice a few sound glitches as we get into the interview. We were having some issue that I haven't quite identified yet, but it does clear up just a few minutes into the interview. So I don't think it affects the content at all. Don really had a lot of wisdom to share, and I know you're going to enjoy this. If you do learn something from this episode and enjoy it, please follow us on LinkedIn. Just search for Where Accountants Go. You'll see all our podcast posts there, plus occasionally some special offers for listeners as well. And as always, I know I say this a lot, but seriously, if there's anything I can do for you in your own career, any questions that you'd like to discuss or for accounting organizations that you're involved in, if you need some type of guest speaker, please reach out to me as well. I'm very happy to help in any way that I can. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started. I know you're going to enjoy this interview. Here's Don Goldberg. Well, hello, Don. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. How are you? Doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Well, for the audience, today's guest, I just happened to notice online because of a few of her titles, actually. Don Goldberg is joining us. And yes, Don is an accountant, a CPA specifically, but she also is a certified life coach and she's a community manager for an organization called CPA Moms. Don started her career in public accounting, but along the way, she became interested in working with CPAs that happen to be mothers as well in order to help them get through some of the unique challenges that come with being both of those. We've had coaches on the show before, but it's been a really long time, honestly, and so I think it would be a great time to revisit that type of service as an option for CPAs as well, because so many of us want to do more than just accounting and financial help for the people we serve, and so coach is a very viable addition or alternative, depending on the situation. You really can do almost anything when you start with a background in accounting. Before we get to the present time, let's make sure we talk about your overall journey because that's very important. What led you to decide to consider accounting as a possible career choice in the first place? Sure. So we're going to go back in time. This is back in (laughs) the mid-80s. I was in high school and the high school that I was attending offered a bookkeeping class. This was in 10th grade. 
This was like 1982, I guess. And I did really, really well in the, I had done well in math and I did really, really well in this bookkeeping class. And so the teacher had encouraged me to look into accounting as a course of study for college, she said, because, and I'll never forget this, she said, because I think it's going to be a, a good career path for a woman. So I was like, okay, I wasn't even really, like there wasn't as much of a push back then for you to know exactly what you want to do where I think there's more of a push now for kids. But yeah, thankfully my high school offered college classes that you could take while you were in high school and get college credit for. So by the time I finished my senior year, I had already finished accounting one, accounting two, and I think I had taken business law. So I already had, before I even started college, I already had a good idea that this was something that I wanted to study. Wow. I was going to ask if you just went straight into accounting or tried a few other things first, but you did just straight into accounting. You jumped the gun and started early. That's Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Like It really was, it's such a rare thing that people say, when did you know you wanted to be an accountant? I'm like, well, it sounds strange, but since 10th grade... <laughs> Because it just was a perfect fit for me. And I just was like, oh, okay, this comes naturally to me. I understand these concepts. Of course, when you get to college and then you take the higher level courses, I'm like, really? Am I sure I'm prepared for this? But yeah, I got a taste of it early on and the path was lit for me because the college that was near, I wanted to stay home. I didn't want to go away to college. And the college that was near me, there's quite a few colleges near me, but one in particular that I wanted to attend gave a one-third off the tuition if you graduated in the top 10% of your high school class, and I did. So that kind of solidified the decision for me. Okay. Okay. I just have to ask, because I know this is going to be part of your later story. When you say that your teacher for housekeeping, that she said it was a good career path for a woman, at the time, did that play into your decision, the part for a woman? Or is that something that later in life you've realized, hey, you know, she was pointing me in that direction because, because, you know, yeah. it, it truly is. I mean, did you realize it at that age? Or no, that I think I was too young to understand that because I grew up with a stay-at-home mom. I didn't have a working mom. And uh-huh. I was the first person in my family to go to college. So for me, I think it wasn't until later on when I was asked the question that I remembered that teacher saying that, but I don't think at like 16 years old that I realized what that meant. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I have to say that I'm extremely, extremely grateful because I did not know, I'll never forget it. Actually, the time that it really came up was when I was going through a divorce and we'll talk about, maybe that'll weave into the story later. But when I was going through my divorce and I was able to financially buy my ex-husband out of the house and I was able to financially keep my children and I afloat, which was a concern for a lot of the divorcing moms that I knew, then I was like, oh, I remember that teacher saying this is a good job for a woman. (laughs) And I thought to myself, I'm glad that she pushed me in that direction because it really did offer me a career and career opportunities. But to all, I never knew, obviously never knew that I'd have to go through a divorce and have that pressure on me. And I'm grateful that I had that career to support me. Sure. Yeah. Gave you the financial stability you needed at that point. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So if you went straight through college, knowing that you were going to be an accountant, how did you get your first professional job? how did you get started in the industry? Well, with the college that I went to, I'm on Long Island and we have a lot of 
big accounting firms around by us, whether it was in Manhattan or, or on Long Island. And I was very, very fortunate. I didn't know any different. And then when I spoke to other people, they were like, wow. So the college set up the interviews for us. And we basically, all of the big eight showed up. They were in separate rooms. They sent their representatives and we went in to each room and sat down and sat down with Price Waterhouse and sat down with Deloitte and sat down with Ernst Young. Like, what was the, it wasn't Ernst Young at the time. Obviously, they've all combined various yeah. times. But yeah, so we went in and we interviewed and then we got our offers and then we did the office visit. So it wasn't very involved, to be honest with you. But one thing that was interesting, I had sat down when I went to the office visit. It was Deloitte Haskins and Sells at the time. And the tax manager was interviewing me and he said, I noticed that you didn't do an internship while you were in college. And I said, no, I didn't. And he's like, can I ask you why? And I said, well, because I'm paying for my education and the job that I was doing at the time was waitressing and I was making a lot of money. So I basically, I said, I made, I think $500 for five hours worth of work last night. And I don't think I would be making that doing an internship. He's like, that's a very good decision that you made. So it didn't, it was, there was no strike against me for not doing an internship, thankfully. That is, (laughs) it's hard for him to argue with that. Wow. Yeah. He's like, yeah, no, we wouldn't have paid you that much. (laughs) So I know you were at Deloitte for a long time, uh, about 10 years, I believe. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you started at Deloitte. Let's, let's walk through that period sure. because 10 years is a lot of time. And, and I'm curious, I guess, how you progressed, what you worked in, and then really how that helped set you up for later in life, you know, sure. how the experience benefited you. Well, you know, it's funny. When I went on that office visit just to see if I was a good match and if this is where I want to be, I had gotten, I think, four offers from different firms. And when I went to Deloitte, I recognized one of the girls there. She was a year older than me, and she went to the same college as me. We weren't friends, but I recognized her, and she kind of pulled me aside. And there was 12 people, maybe even more. They gave out 12 offers at the time, but maybe 20 people were walking around as possible candidates. And she pulled me aside, and she's like, you went to the college I went to? And she goes, don't go into audit. And I was like, what? And she says, go into tax. Go directly into tax. And I was like, okay. Like I didn't even, I was like, okay, that's why. And she just explained her reasons why that she had gone into tax and it was much better and much more, actually at that time, much more balanced. There wasn't as much travel and all that stuff. So I said, okay. And I didn't have any leanings either way. So I was like, fine. And so I got the offer and I went into tax and there were 12 people that started at the same time as me and 11 of them went into audit. (laughs) And I was the only one that went into tax. And so it was just like, again, you know, it was all laid out. I was like, okay, I'll go in this direction. And I'll tell you the first two years, because you're working for a large firm like Deloitte, the first two years that I was there, I did only depreciation for two full years. That's all I did. And I became quite an expert. I could still see the percentages (laughs) in my head of five years straight line and all the things. But I guess it was year two or so 
that we merged with to Schross. So we moved our offices and I was still in the tax department. Everything was fine. And then I got married and I had gotten pregnant with my first child. And I just had this moment of, I was looking at the women above me, the senior managers, and there were no female partners, but I was looking at the managers and senior managers above me. And I just said, I don't want their lives. And it wasn't a judgment of them. It was just the expectation of them. They basically were okay with seeing their kids on the weekends. They had nannies, and that was not for me. And I just knew at that time that I wanted to have the balance of being a working mom, but not sacrificing the time with my children. And so when I was done with my maternity leave, I was actually going to leave. There had been a senior manager who had left and gone out on her own, and she was going to bring me with her. And so I was kind of ready to do that. And the tax partner, the partner in charge of the tax department, he called me one day while I was on maternity leave, and he said, I hear you, you're planning on leaving us. And I was like, yeah. And he said, can you ask why? I said, well, I don't want to work full time. I want to work part time. And there was no such thing at the time. There was nobody working part time. And so he said, well, what do you want? And I said, three days a week. And he said, done. I was like, what? I said, how can you do that? He goes, I can do whatever I want. I want to keep you and I'm going to create the position for you. So I was the first person in that office allowed to work part time. And if that wasn't enough to give me <laughs> security wow. and yeah, it, and it was so powerful for me and, and I had so much gratitude. I had nobody above me to ask, how do you handle working part-time as a CPA, as, as an accountant and a mom? But I just knew that I was so grateful for the chance that he offered me to have that balance that I wanted, that I was going to be his best employee. And he said to me a few years later, because I would get the typical comments from the men in the office when I was leaving at 5.30 to pick up my daughter, they would say something like, oh, what, you're, you know, you're working a half a day because they would stay late. And I went into him one day and I said, you do realize that I get more done in 24 hours a week, right? Three days a week, eight hours a day. I get more done in 24 hours a week than they get done in 40 or 50. And he goes, why do you think I created the position for you? And it was in that moment that I realized, I was like, oh, wow, I was seeing me through his eyes and I could see the value that he saw in me. And that just gave me such confidence. And I worked for him for quite a few years and there was a change in partners and I worked for another partner. He was fine. He was great to work with. And then it was towards the end that I worked for one particular partner in the tax department and he was horrible to me. And I couldn't understand it. I had been you know, treated so well. And one day I sat down with him and I said, what's the deal? Why do you treat me the way you do? And he said to me verbatim, because you're taking a job away from a man. Oh, my jaw dropped. <laughs> At first I was appalled. But after leaving the office, I was so grateful that he was so brutally honest, that he didn't pretend. Because I knew then that it was time for me to leave that I was not appreciated because I had been valued so much by these other partners that if he wasn't going to value me, then I needed to leave. And so I got a job at the next uh, firm I worked for was Ernst & Young. And it was completely different. There was a male partner, but he had mostly part-time accountant moms that worked in the tax department. And I sat down with him. I was working there for a few months and I sat down with him and I explained what had happened to me at Deloitte. And he said, I said, why is it? Why is there such a difference? Why are you so open to having 
women, moms especially, and working part-time. And he said, well, first of all, that was incredibly short-sighted of him. He goes, and second of all, because they're the hardest working, least dramatic people that I have working for me, they appreciate their job so much and they add so much value. And as a mom, you're able to balance, you're able to multitask, you're able to do things that most people can't. So it would be crazy for me not to. So it was just a great experience to work with him. But then I was there for about a year and my grandmother had passed away and it kind of had a very strong impact on me. And I had had a second child and my daughter was in kindergarten and it was like I was particularly sensitive around that time to the things that I was missing, the, maybe the little school play that I couldn't make or just a few little things, but they meant something to me. And I decided that I wanted to completely stop working for two years. I, I didn't know that it was going to be two years, but that's kind of in my head. I was like, I didn't want to give up my career, but I just wanted to put it on hold. I wanted to take a pause for two years and just be home with the kids. And so that's what I did. And when I was two years was up, I said, okay, I've had enough of this stay-at-home mom thing (laughs) and I'm going to go back, but I'm going to go back to a small firm. I'm going to go back to some, a firm that's local, that's close to me, that I can then go pick up the kids because now they had started like preschool and now the middle um, grammar school. And that's been my career for the last 20 some odd years. Wow. Okay. I learn so many new things when I do these interviews, and and I'm (laughs) glad you went into detail because I saw Deloitte for 10 years and then Mm -hmm. EY for less than two or around Mm -hmm. that time period. And so you naturally think, oh, Deloitte must have been a great fit and and EY must not have been a good fit. And and then to hear the story about the the different partners that you worked under, it's it's obviously much different than I was expecting. So, wow, wow. That short-sightedness of that one partner, that's amazing. It amazes me when people actually verbalize something like that, but I guess it was better to know where you stood. (laughs) Yeah, I really did appreciate it later on. Of course, at the time I was hurt and angry. (laughs) Sure, but, you know, I was like, wow, if he hadn't been honest with me, I probably would have gone into a lot of, like, people-pleasing mode, trying to get him to notice me, trying to get him to value me, which was a a lose-lose situation. I didn't need to. Sure. Sure. So you returned to the workforce part-time in a smaller firm. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you decide you want to be a life coach as well. <laughs> so I, <laughs> Well, why not, right? I mean, I, didn't I have enough on my plate? <laughs> so that's so interesting. Yeah, because what happened was I worked for a small firm. I had the flexibility. I was close to home that I could pick my kids up and do the things, find the balance that I had always, that I wanted as each stage of my children's lives unfolded. Obviously there's different, you know, somebody's involved in soccer, somebody's involved in this and that. So everything was going along really well career-wise. And then I went through a divorce and it was during the process of going through that divorce and the recovery from the divorce that I had sought out some self-help and sought out different, studying different teachers, different books, different things. And so what I realized was that everything that I was learning, especially my ex-husband was an alcoholic and I had learned a lot in Al-Anon going to my own 12-step Al-Anon support group. And I had learned a lot. And what I was able to do and apply to going through my divorce, I was able to handle it with much more grace and dignity 
than a lot of the women that I was surrounded with. And I was like, wow, I'd really like to help them. I'd really like in some way to help them. I'm not going to be a financial advisor for divorcees. That, that, was, that didn't light me up. That wasn't what I wanted. I really wanted to do something else. And then I discovered the whole idea of being a life coach. And so I went back to school for that. I went to, it was an online program through Coach University. And I got certified through them. And I started to just build that up on the side to help anybody, any divorcees. And of course, with my CPA background, I was able to talk about a little bit of finances with them, but more to support them in the whole picture of going through a divorce, the emotional, mental, financial, all the things. And so, yeah, it was the divorce that led me to just exploring that idea like, okay, I've joked I had enough on my plate, but I felt like the way that I was able to handle my divorce, I needed to let other women know that that was an option. And then what eventually happened was I continued my education with life coaching through the life coach school and everything that I was learning through them, I then began applying to being an accountant. And a miracle of miracles over the course of a few years, all of a sudden I realized that I wasn't experiencing stress the way other accountants were. I was able to get more done in less time. My relationships improved. I had even more balance than I had before. So all of a sudden, I was like, no, now I think CPAs need to know what it is that I've learned and that I've been able to apply. And I think the last frontier for me was tax season because I had reduced my stress to almost minuscule, like almost barely there. I was able to reduce my stress, but I was like, eh. everybody believes that tax season must be stressful. We all agree. All accountants agree tax season is stressful. And I started to question that. Why? Why do we believe that? Because we all say it. And I started to change that belief and to prove to myself that it didn't need to be stressful, that I could manage it in a way that I hadn't thought was possible. And so once I went through a few years of proving to myself how to do that, I was like, oh, I'm on to something. I, I have to show this. I have to be able to help accountant moms to basically learn how to manage their minds, which is how I learned how to reduce, pretty much eliminate my stress. I need to teach them this. And so I went in the direction, I kind of put the divorce coaching aside and I picked up the idea of coaching accountant moms. And that's where my side business started. I started the podcast, the CPA Moms podcast, and that's how you know things started to unfold in that direction. Wow. So I won't ask you to teach us the whole thing because we don't have time and that wouldn't be sure. fair. And you know, that kind of thing. But how do you apply that learning in accounting? I mean, what are a few things that you teach people to do to lessen their stress, particularly during tax season? So here's what I teach. I teach people how to manage their minds. And this is my like, go-to statement is when you learn how to manage your mind, you can manage everything else. And so as accountants, we think that we're using our brains optimally, right? We're all smart. We all have pretty high IQs. None of us would have passed the CPA exam if we weren't intelligent. But I have shown myself and I show my clients that we are absolutely not using our brain optimally because when you get 
caught up in overwhelm and in stress and in all the negative feelings that you associate with being an accountant, you are not using your brain optimally. You have two parts of your brain. You have the lower brain and you have the higher brain. And the lower brain is really the brain that runs, the part of our brain that runs the show 80% of the time. And it is motivated by three things. It's motivated to avoid pain, to seek pleasure, and to be efficient. And a lot of what we do on a daily basis, our lower brain is just running the show. It's just on like a rinse and repeat cycle. And we're not tapping into that higher part of our brain where we're choosing on purpose how we're going to think. We're choosing on purpose how we're going to feel. And then that leads to our actions. So we wake up or we're at work and we just feel overwhelmed and we have no idea. So we blame it on the amount of clients we have, on the workload. We blame it on the time of year. But what I have learned and what I teach my clients is that the date on the calendar is a neutral circumstance. It does not mean anything until we think a thought about it and we make it mean something. So we, as a collective, as accountants, we have collectively agreed that April 15th, we shudder. <laughs> we're like, oh, or January 15th, the beginning of tax season. We're like, oh, all these different deadlines, right? We have given these different dates on a calendar meaning. And then that meaning then creates how we feel about it. And then from that feeling, we have our actions. We have the things that we do, the things that we don't do, and we have our reactions. And then that all falls down into, into this model I call it the manage your mind model, and it all flows down into the results that you have. And we're not in charge, right? We don't have control over the circumstances, most of the circumstances in our lives, but everything else we do have control over. We do have control over the thoughts that we think about the circumstances. We have control over how we feel, which means we have control over overwhelm, stress, all the emotions. And then we have control over the actions we take, the things we do, the things we start doing, that we stop doing, that aren't working for us, the way that we react. We're always in control of that. And then eventually we're in control of the results that we get every single day. But we are never taught this. We are not taught how to be in charge of that higher part of our brain. It has affected how I manage my time. It has affected how I have improved my relationships. It's affected how much money I make. Everything in my life has changed because I learned the skill of managing my mind. There's a lot of truth in that. I mean, you really do have more control <laughs> over the situation. Yeah, I'm not verbalizing this well, but it's the realization that you really do have more control over this than you realize versus right. just reacting to what you're seeing outside. And it's human nature to that our, our lower brain like I said, that's running the show 80% of the time, it is reacting to things because its job is to keep you alive. Its job is to keep you safe. And what happens is it sees a lot, especially in this modern world, it sees a lot as very threatening. It sees something as silly as an email alert. When you're already stressed out, it sees an email alert. It reacts the same way that when we were cave dwellers and a saber-toothed tiger was outside the cave. Our primitive brain, our lower brain, has developed with us as, as we have gone from cave-dwelling humans to now modern technology, 
centric humans. So it still has that same reaction. We just don't realize what our brain is doing. So what I like to say is we get on this bus every single day that has no sign on the front where it's going. (laughs) We just get on it. (laughs) And then at the end of the day, we're like, that was horrible. I wound up in this horrible neighborhood. What the heck happened? And that's what happened is that we are not taking ownership. We're not taking responsibility for our brain the way that we can. It's just knowing that you can and then learning the skill of doing it that then it becomes more of a habit. It becomes much easier to manage your mind once you understand the flow of it. I can't resist but ask you this. You know, we're sitting in 2021. Last year, that date we so feared, April 15th, got moved to July 15th. Mm -hmm. This year, and by the way, I happen to be in Texas. So this year, it got moved to May 15th. And then very Mm -hmm. quickly, we figured out in Texas, it's June 15th. Just in working with people, I'm curious, how have you seen that affect people? Better, worse, same? Affect the accountants that I work with or affect the clients? Oh, the accountants. No, the accountants that you work with. Well, the accountants that I work with that aren't being coached by me, they're losing their minds. (laughs) The accountants that I coach (laughs) are definitely much better able to manage a change in the tax deadline because they understand where stress and overwhelm come from. And what happens is overwhelm, if you think of it as putting fuel in your car, right? your feelings are fueling your actions. And what you're capable of doing when you feel empowered, when you feel motivated, when you feel determined is going to be a clean fuel versus you're stressed, you're frustrated, or you're overwhelmed. That's dirty fuel. And so I personally have found that once I completely reduced my level of stress, no matter what changed, that I was able to get more done in less time. So it was like a win-win. The more I reduced my stress, the more I was able to focus and not have the drama that a lot of accountants experience, the more I was able to get done in shorter periods of time, if that makes any sense. Sure, sure. So... Yeah, because I think this could be useful information. That's why I'm asking you, and you're obviously mm-hmm. the subject matter expert on this. So given your experience with the bosses you had, the environments that you work in, and, and also the people you coach now, I mean, from a real practical standpoint, how could the workplace be more CPA mom friendly? I, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's obvious answers, but I know that I don't know what I don't know. So mm-hmm. how could it be more mom friendly? I'm going to give an answer you're probably not, not expecting. So there have been plenty of studies, plenty of research out there for what companies can do, what they can implement, what they can put in place to help support working moms, not just accountant moms. My whole thing, and it might seem a little unpopular, but what I want working moms, and especially accountant moms, to really get and to really hear is I don't want you to wait for the ideal situation to all of a sudden happen for you. I want you to open up your mind to more possibilities. And especially, I think this is the perfect time. We're living in a post-COVID world. We've had an entire year of 
what was normal in the accounting profession where you have most people were in a brick and mortar building and most people were working in offices and now all of a sudden everybody had to work from home, depending on the state that you worked in, whatever you were considered an essential worker or whatever your situation was. I think this is the perfect time for accountant moms to open up their minds to the idea that things are different and can be different for them. Like I was just coaching a client yesterday and she was telling me all the limiting beliefs that she had about what was possible for her. She wanted to, now the tax season had died down, she was thinking about getting another job and she was telling me all the things that weren't available as if that was a fact, but it wasn't. It was her belief. And I said, well, where did you get that belief from? And she's like, well, I got that belief from a few years ago, blah, blah, blah. She gave me all the proof, right? That's what our brain does. Whatever we believe, our brain looks for proof of. And I said, well, I don't agree with anything that you said because this is a different world. You have to open up your mind to the possibility that you could be wrong about that belief. And that's what I really want to encourage CPA moms to do is to not wait for the businesses and the firms to get on board with all the different programs. And they've done, like I said in the beginning, they've done enough research, they've done enough studies. They know, they know the information. They know what they could do. They know what would be favorable to do. I don't want them to have to wait. I want to empower them to open up to the idea that they could create the situation that they want that it is out there, they might have to do a little bit more research. They might have to expand their idea of what's possible. But especially in this day and age where you could be an accountant, we have a CPA moms as a franchisee in Alaska. Like we've got accountants in Alaska. We've got, you've got accountants all over the country that can service clients from anywhere in the country. Where when I was starting out and I was fortunate enough to be given this part-time position, that was something that was so rare that I think now women should be more empowered to create whatever situation they want. And if a company is not offering it to you, then you need to consider going out on your own, that that is absolutely a possibility these days. I, so I own a recruiting company and I'm really interested to see how all this shakes out eventually because not just for moms, but mm-hmm. with the workforce in general, because we are in a situation where we sort of knew you could do most of your accounting work from home if you needed to, but that for, for places that was only a backup plan and then COVID happened and we all started using that backup plan and now we're returning, but we're still in a state where the demand is stronger than supply for accountants. Yeah. And of course, people are wanting more flexibility. And so it's going to be interesting to see over the next two years how all this ends up shaking out. Yeah, I want the accountant moms to not look to the past to tell them what's possible. What I always encourage my clients to understand is that confidence is one of the first things that we work on because when you don't have confidence, you lack options. And I want them to build up their confidence and to build up that they own their value. Like I don't even know why when I was only in my 20s that I just knew how important it was to show this partner how valuable I was. But it served me really, really well throughout the course of my career. And I want more accountant moms to to create that confidence for themselves, to not look to those three little letters after their name, C 
CPA does not create confidence. The amount of other designations, the amount of CPE credits that you have, all of those things, those things are just neutral circumstances. They don't mean anything. You have to create confidence. I know plenty of CPAs who don't feel confident. So obviously, those three letters at the end of your last name doesn't create it. So I want to help them to really understand that when you have that foundation of confidence, then you open up to possibilities, you open up to options. And especially in this day and age where there are just way more options than there have been in the past. Well, I end every show with the same three questions, and I could talk to you easily for another hour on this. This is very interesting. I do want to be respectful of your time. I probably better get to those. The first one's usually the easier one for our guest. I'll be curious to hear your answer. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? Sure. When I thought about this, because I've listened to your podcast before, and I know you asked these three questions. I've definitely had many challenges throughout my career. It has not been smooth sailing, but I think not walking away from the challenges that I faced, that they literally could have derailed different ideal situations that I've had. I've had conflict with owners and stuff like that. So just taking the time to not react and to see the big picture where the situation might not be perfect, But like, you know, you do the pro and con list where the pros outweigh the cons. I think that has made all the difference for me career-wise that I took those challenges. There were definitely times where I needed to walk away from situations, but I was able to see the big picture and have a vision for my future. And how does this firm or this situation support the vision that I have for my future? I think that as accountants, we tend to be a little lacking in the vision area. And so I think that I got that pretty early on, I think is, is I'm proud of that. Yes. Well, tell us about a lesson that you learned the hard way. And the more you can tell us, the better about the situation, because, you know, that's how we're all going to learn from this. Sure. The lesson that I learned the hard way, I think the overarching lesson would have to be forgiveness. And I think forgiveness has been a hard-earned lesson for me. But what I learned was that forgiveness is for me, not the other person. That has helped me tremendously, not only in my personal life, but in my professional life as well. Even in little situations at work where I can let something go, where I can forgive a client for whatever, for being late with something and they annoyed me or whatever the situation is, it's a person in my, like I said, in my personal life or in my professional life. I think that the hard-earned lesson was forgiveness, especially when I went through the divorce with with my ex-husband and that he had an alcohol addiction. I learned this, that um, carrying, one of the quotes I heard was, resentment is the poison I take hoping that you will die. And I've carried that into so many different situations in my work life and in my personal life, and it's helped me tremendously. I've heard a very similar quote. Carrying a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And mm-hmm. and that, I know exactly what you, because it's so pointed. And yeah, that one has stuck with me for a long time as well. Thank you for sharing that. That's really, really useful. So last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What's the best piece of advice that you have ever received? I think it ties into forgiveness, but giving people a second chance 
my current husband and I would not be married and happily married for the last 13 years if I didn't give him a second chance. It had been like a little blip in the beginning of our relationship. Different situations at work I could have walked away from. And I'm really, really grateful that I had people in my life at the time because I can be pretty stubborn. I'm Irish and I can be really, really stubborn. And I had people that trusted in my life who had encouraged me in various situations with various people to give that person or that situation a second chance. And I did it stomping. (laughs) I didn't want to, but I'm really grateful that I did. And I encourage now my children are grown. They're young adults. They're 28 and 25. And I encourage them also to learn that early on because it took me many, many years to learn that, that obviously to walk away from situations that are harmful or if you're being mistreated or anything like that. But if not, then sometimes it's really worth giving someone or or something a second chance. Mm, That is good advice. Thank you. I've really enjoyed this. If people want to find your podcast online, or at least the name of the show, so we can look up in our phone app. So what's the best place to look? Sure. Well, we didn't talk about this. I'll just mention this now. I am one of the coaches for CPA Moms, and CPA Moms discovered me. I was doing my own coaching for accountant moms on my own. And CPA Moms is a completely separate company, and their owner had discovered me through the podcast and then brought me in, and I'm underneath their umbrella as their community manager. And so basically, CPA Moms is a national company that it serves two roles. Number one, it helps business owners to be matched with high-quality accounting and bookkeeping and tax advisory services. That's one arm of the business. But the other piece of it is they also provide the opportunity for CPAs who are moms to build their own practice from the ground floor up, right? They just started with a franchise system. And so basically the franchise system has taken the guesswork out of how to launch your own firm or how to grow the one that you already have. And so I am under that umbrella. I'm, part, I'm the community manager of CPA Mom. So basically I support, we have a very large community. We have a Facebook, a private Facebook community. We have the weekly newsletter. We have different Facebook lives. I basically brought the podcast underneath the CPA Mom's umbrella. So now it's called the CPA Mom's Podcast. And... Yeah, so it's really exciting. I had started this coaching with divorcees, then I was coaching accountant moms and then CPA moms. I didn't even know they existed. They discovered me and so we just it was like a perfect marriage. So that's been incredible. It's been in, it's so great to support the community at large with CPA moms but also to support the franchisees as they grow their own practices from the ground floor up. And so CPA moms podcast can be found on iTunes. It can be found on Stitcher. You can find it. You can just Google. Um, there's about 100, what am I up to? 134 episodes, I think. Hmm. So wow. far, so yeah, I've been doing it for quite a few years now, weekly episodes. And if anybody is interested in finding out more about CPA Moms and the franchise opportunity, you can just go to cpa-moms.com. And we've got all the information for business owners, for entrepreneurs who are looking for accountants, 
like I said, for business, uh, for their bookkeeping and tax advisory and all the things that entrepreneurs need, <laughs> need accountants for. But we also have the community. You can become a part of our community and also explore the opportunity to franchise with us, which has been incredible. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. I did not realize about the franchise opportunities and helping you build your business. I, and so I hadn't asked you about it because I figured, well, we covered the coaching part, but I'm really glad you brought that up. I had no idea how large that organization is and all the things they do. That, that's very beneficial. Thank you. Yeah. So Mayumi Young, is the founder of CPA Moms, and she's built many successful businesses. And so what she did is, is she just combined a combination of 20 years as a visionary, as a CEO and founder of three businesses, and she had created CPA Moms, and we started this new business model over a year ago to franchise because she wanted accountant moms to know, I talked about having options, right? We wanted them to know that there are options, that they can learn the business of accounting so that they can add more value to their clients. And more importantly, and this is the key, is to spend more time with their family. They don't have to sacrifice. Mom guilt is one of the biggest issues and that they don't have to settle for a job that they don't like. They don't have to settle for a situation that doesn't work for them that there are other options out there. And yeah, we're really excited. We love launching, helping these CPA moms to launch their own practice and to do it so successfully. Well, thank you again for sharing all this with us and joining us today. I really enjoyed this conversation and I know it's going to help a lot of thank people. Thank you. So thank you. It was you. a pleasure. It was such a pleasure getting to talk to you. Well, that was my interview with Don Goldberg. And, you know, like I mentioned in the intro, I easily could have continued this conversation for a few hours. I really enjoyed hearing Don's story. I really appreciated how much she was sharing with us. And I found it very interesting and very enjoyable. I really appreciate her spending the time to be on the show. And you know, as is customary, I usually try to point out a couple things that really stuck out to me. And really, that was the first item, how open and transparent she was about the challenges that she faced in her own career early on, and how that helped shape her into the person she is today. Because I really do think that by hearing about other people's challenges and how they got through it, it helps us get through our own. So that part was very beneficial and really sticks out to me. And secondly, I just love a story of when an accountant is able to blossom their career into helping in other areas other than just debits and credits. Most of us want to become that trusted advisor. And when you're able to take that up a couple notches, you know, to the next level, as they say, and help not just with debits and credits, but with overall business or careers or life coaching. I just think it's a tremendous story because I know the accounting professional so much more enjoys their own career. And I know it's very beneficial to the other side as well. So I just love stories like this. Well, if there's anything I could do for you in your own career, please do reach out to me. I'm very findable on LinkedIn. Just search for Mark Goldman CPA and I'll pop right up. And of course, we'll be back next week with another interesting career story from another interesting accounting professional for you to enjoy as well. Until then, we'll see you all next time. After all, this is Where Accountants Go. Where Accountants Go.